You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hey, boo, hey, welcome back to the show. I'm in the weirdest mood today, so this is what you get. Ooh, 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 Lee Noto, our incredible fucking guest today. Can I just say from the bottom of my heart, I love this woman. She is everything. Seriously, I could talk to her all fucking day and then some. Lee is a goddess, angel, priestess on earth. And I just feel like I want to soak up all of her juicy wisdom. So I have a feeling you're going to be obsessed with this show. We talk about so many things. First of all, I was just on her show. So I'm going to link that in the show notes so that you can listen to us talk on her podcast because the way she asked questions, I was blown away. And then the way she holds space as I was super vulnerable and went there was so beautiful. And we just did more of that. It just extended into this conversation a few days later. So we talk about all the things. We get into somatic plant medicine. Why things can be easy. Oh my God, things can be easy. Did you know that? Not everything has to be hard. It's nice when dicks are hard, but not everything in life has to be hard. (laughs) I hope you're giggling. Uh, We talk about attracting a partner. What makes the best sex of your life? She has the keys to the kingdom and I'm here for it. How do we welcome our partner into our awakening? How sex can be a catalyst? How to create safety in your body? What happens for you when you're humbled and in trust with your own feminine? And pleasure versus presence in pleasure. (sighs) Somatics and psychedelics, all the things I love most in this world. I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation with Lee. She is so wonderful. Enjoy. Okay, Lee, I just talked to you for the first time a couple days ago and I'm obsessed with you. Just going to throw that out there. You are magical. I love your energy. I love being in your energy. I love everything you're teaching about and bringing into the world. So thank you for being with me. Oh, it's so, so nice to be here. Girl, the feeling is so mutual. I am right there with you. I was gushing to Ani, my partner, the other day. I'm like, I just recorded this amazing podcast episode. It's so good. We really went there. Yeah. So good. It was so good. I uh, I sent the because the episode came out today, the day we're recording when you guys are hearing this. And I sent the podcast to Connor and I was like, OK, listen at this point when I'm gushing about you. <laughs> he hasn't responded yet. I'm curious what he's going to say. Like, thanks for embarrassing me. But it was it was such a beautiful episode. So I'll make sure to link that in the notes, because talking to you, I, you ask incredibly profound, opening, beautiful questions. And I I loved the episode too. And I I just want to give you some kudos and a shout out for a second, because I love the way you just kept getting these hits of ask this question and you didn't know what it was about. And it opened up our conversation in a really powerful way. And I, I just want to honor you for listening and for really following that nudge, because I think so often we get committed to, oh, I want to talk about this and it needs to be this way. And you really just allowed it to flow and come through you. And it was beautiful to witness and be a part of. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah, you're so welcome. That li- the listening has been a journey. I definitely didn't pop out that way. So <laughs> happy to go there too. I know a lot of a lot of people, particularly women, are are curious about how to tune into that inner voice. Mm-hmm. How have you found a way to really get quiet with that and let go of the noise so that you can hear that inner voice? A lot of it has to do with giving myself space. So, and I know so many of the listeners in your audience will resonate with this, but I came from a corporate background in New York City. So I was in hustle mode 24 seven and I loved it. It turned me on to be in the the hustle and bustle of things. And that without balance of rest, relaxation and turning inward creates 
creates imbalance and creates burnout and creates this uninspiring life where we're just going through the motions. And I spent so much of my life that way, doing all the things I thought I needed to do to perform. We talked about this on my podcast. I was the good girl, the one who got straight A's, the one who got all of the awards. And I had a moment recently where I'm like, what was all of that for? I don't know that I wanted that. And the allowing space and slowing down and just dipping a toe in the water of what it could be like to listen to an intuition or to that inner voice in a safe container has really allowed me to start to trust that part of me more and more. Because when we're in the masculine overdoing, and by the way, I don't think that that is completely what the masculine is comprised of. But when we're in that doing, there's often very little room for wonder, for curiosity, for I wonder how things could be. And we stick to the plan, we stick to the analysis and the logic, and that can be great. And there's something so magical that unfolds when we say, I wonder what this is telling me. I'm going to follow this thread. And so allowing myself space and taking tiny dips into the well of, okay, let's just see where this goes. There's very little risk here. I'm going to try it here in a low risk way before I follow the intuition to leave my job and start a business. Yeah, no, it's so true. I was talking to a client this morning and we were talking about how fearful she is of being in the feminine and flowing because that means to her, her definition of that is that means I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing enough. I'm not achieving enough. And it's so funny the way we fight this because we believe it has to look a certain way. I'm curious for you, there has to be, well, there doesn't have to be anything, but there gets to be a balance of being in action and doing and also allowing. And for someone like me, who has always been a a type A control freak perfectionist, I'm like, the flowiness is for the fairies who go to Burning Man and don't have anything to worry about. Like, that is not me. So I'm going to stay over here in my lane where I'm just grinding hard. And what I have realized is that we can have both. So how have you sort of interwoven both of those energies? Yeah, this is one of the reasons why I knew I would love you immediately. Because we're <laughs> so, I was telling Ani, I'm like, we're so on the same wavelength. I'm like, she's so grounded. Like, she's here. She's on earth. She's not floating out somewhere. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's fascinating because something I've learned about myself, and I think this is true for so many of us, is we have a deep mistrust of the feminine. And it, this is very apparent in the way that we have created our culture for the last thousands of years to diminish the feminine because there is so much power within us, within all of us, and particularly within women that is unknown, is beyond our realm of conception. And if there's something we don't know, then we have to be afraid of it. I'm using air quotes because we don't know how it's going to turn out. And it's so often why we don't allow ourselves to feel deeply because what might happen? We might lose ourselves. We might never come back. And I struggled with this for the longest time. I really pushed all of that down in favor of doing, achieving, organizing, analyzing. and. It was great for the time being. Um, And it, for me, it took a massive health crash for me to realize what I was doing to myself. And I had spent so many years of my life in that, the going and the doing and the just epic cycles of burnout. And one day I woke up and I had Bell's palsy. The whole left side of my face was completely paralyzed for like three months. Wow. And yeah, it was, it was major. And even in that, I thought I'll sleep it off. It'll be fine. I was still in this deep denial because I was so afraid to see what was there. And so my advice for those who are seeing some of this in themselves, even if it hasn't yet gotten to a major health crisis, and hopefully it won't, is to allow space to feel and to to enroll and enlist the help of others to support you in the places where you're afraid to go by yourself. We don't have to do this journey of life alone. And part of the feminine is creating community around us. 
knowing that we can be supported, knowing that we are worthy of receiving in all forms. That's not only financial abundance, that's receiving emotional support, receiving loving touch. When we open ourselves up to that, we get to see what's there. And you and I talked about this, having the experiences show up in our lives that show us the depth of who we are, whether that's the depth of our grief, our sadness, our pleasure, our joy. And so if it feels scary to take the leap out into the wild unknown of our emotional terrain, then ask for support. There are so many, so many wonderful, amazing practitioners and people doing this work to create safe spaces for people to go there. And going there is, you know, the, the misconception that I had before I went there was, oh yeah, this is for people who are getting lost in their emotions or who aren't grounded or who aren't making a lot of money. And I'm like, going there is the way. It is the way to all of the things you could ever want and desire, including epic love, amazing sex, unlimited amounts of money, fulfillment, joy. Like the way, the way there is, is going inward. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. To all of that a million times over. I want you to, I would love to know, because for me, I'm in my first ever mastermind right now, which was a huge leap for me because I did not grow up with great female relationships. I come from sports, working with men. That's all I really knew. And so trusting women was really hard for me. And I was so uncomfortable saying yes to doing this because I just thought, what if they don't like me? What if they judge me? What if I'm too much? What if I'm too emotional, too much of myself, all the things. And being held in that container in a one-on-one situation with Abby, who is facilitating this, as well as the eight other women who are in this group, being held and seen by them is the most transformational experience. And it has completely changed my idea of what it is to be supported and seen by women. And I know that I can trust them now. And of course, there's going to be the outliers that are nasty and do the thing, and that's okay. But I have energetically brought in these badass, powerful women. And it rewrote that whole narrative for me. So what was that like for you? And how have you gotten to a point where you are able to be in trust and feel safe in those environments? Yeah, I was very similar to you. I grew up around a lot of guys. And always thought that I just don't really have a lot of female friends. I get along better with guys. And that was my narrative. And, you know, I just, I want to reflect to you that, you know, you said it right. You called it in. You called these women in because you went there with yourself. You, and especially in all of the experiences that you had last year, you became deeply acquainted with your emotions, with like the depths of who you are. And that's exactly what has allowed you to trust other women because you're in trust with your own feminine. And the journey was pretty similar for me as well. My mom had always commented that I never had a best friend growing up. And I never really had a, you know, a a steady group of women around me. Um, And, you know, I had to learn to trust my feminine, my feelings. And it was a, a big part of the transition for me was having that health crisis occur or creating that health crisis. I totally created it. And that was the first time I was broken open to myself. And I was like, okay, something's got to change because what I'm doing isn't working. And during that time, I took, I took some time off of work. I really, really went inward. I was healing from heartbreak. And that was the big opening for me to really go into my emotions. And I sought a lot of support from shamans, facilitators, coaches, friends. And it was really challenging for me because my big fear, maybe similar to yours, was what if they see who I am and they don't like me? What if they don't like me and they don't approve? And then there's no defense for me to rest behind. What kept me safe for so long was if I don't show them all of me, and they don't like me, well, then it's fine because I didn't reveal all of myself. But if I reveal all of myself and they still don't like me, well, then I'm fucked. And at that, 
that was the subconscious fear running in the background. And I hadn't yet found my legs to stand on that said, it doesn't matter who likes me or not. I like me. And as I've developed into that by going into my emotions and being with them and validating my own experience, I, I don't have issues with people liking me or not. It's just life occurs. And so it really took a lot of being with myself and being the, the mother to myself that I didn't have in my mother, the one who says, it's okay, honey, I accept you no matter what. And a part of the coming into our women, our womanhood is typically doing a lot of reparenting. I'm so glad you brought this up because this is such a huge part of it. And I think when we talk about like inner child work and reparenting, people get real freaked out because they're like, but what does that mean? Like I'm my own parent now. And that's a difficult concept to really digest. It took me a long time to understand. I still, I, I think I'm still working through it. The interesting thing for me is now that my mom has passed away, I almost, I feel her in a different way because she's not in the 3D. And so I almost feel like I'm reparenting myself, but she's reparenting me on the other side in a different way as I channel her and as she talks mm. to me. And so it's, I, I feel like I have like this little squad that's helping me reparent and she's showing up for me now in the way she didn't have the ability to when she was alive. And so my experience with that is really interesting at this point. But when I started getting into this, one of the best things I ever did was to imagine my little girl as separate from myself sitting next to me on the couch. And I would just talk to her. And at first I thought, I have gone batshit crazy. This is the weirdest thing I've ever done. And then the more I did it, the more I realized I was really acknowledging myself. And sometimes it's hard to acknowledge ourselves just as we are. It's almost easier if we pretend there's a little girl sitting next to us and we ask her, oh, what do you need? How are you feeling? Do you want to hug? Do you want to go play? What's the deal? So how have you been able to address that reparenting and that inner child? I've definitely imagined my, I've imagined a picture that I have of me where I have cute little bangs and a little short bob haircut. And that's the version of me I, I almost always visit when I visit my little girl. And I can, I've started to tune into senses. So in addition to imagining what she looks like, I can smell her. Like I can smell the way like a baby smells almost. And I can smell that version of me. I can feel how soft her skin is. I can see the color of her skin. I can see her little dimples. I can see her baby hairs coming from her head. And so I, I really try to tune into the sensory details because it makes it more real for me when I go to visit her and ask what she needs and how I can help her and you know what would allow her to feel loved. So that's one thing that I do. And then I also incorporate touch because I wasn't nurtured a lot growing up and I didn't receive the kind of touch that I'm sure I would have wanted, I often touch myself for nourishment. So sometimes I'll lay on my bed in fetal position and I'll just rub my, my hands up the sides of my arms and squeeze as if I'm in an embrace and I'll kiss my shoulders and I'll hug myself. And it's just the sweetest, most tender experience of love. And it, it's person agnostic. So it doesn't matter that this isn't coming from another person. It's coming from me. And it's so special to be in that moment when I talk to her and when I feel her. So I found that incorporating the senses really helps make it real for me. And I really start to receive the nourishment that I would have wanted when I was three or four or five. Receiving is so hard for so many of us because we don't, like you said, we don't grow up with it or we're taught that it's not okay. The allowance to receive or ask for what we need is something that I would say most of us don't learn. And so now in our reparenting, we're learning that and we're showing ourselves it's okay and that it's safe. So I'm curious how this has shown up in your sex life. Oh my gosh. So good. Okay. So <laughs> when I first got started in my sexual career, <laughs> my, my initial foray into sexuality was on, on the basis of a need, because my dad wasn't around a lot growing up and 
for daughters, our dad is our first beloved. Our, our, our dad is the first masculine figure that we have. And I really longed for his love. I longed for his attention and his nurture. And because he was always away working, I, I often didn't get what I really wanted from him. And so I sought that attention from men and from boyfriends and in sexual scenarios, because that at the time was what made sense to me. And the thought that I had was, I see that sexuality is really powerful and I can use it to keep the love of the men that I desire. So I used sexuality as a way to keep love, to gain approval, validation, and to get my needs met, even though it wasn't always what I really, really wanted deep down. So I often would find myself in dominant positions where I was giving because I thought if I had control over how much I gave, I would certainly be able to keep the guy around. And so I would give and I would go, you know, I would watch porn and see how it's done there and I would emulate it. Not with any particular strategy, but it's just what made sense because I'm like, the guys in porn like what that girl's doing. So I think I should sound like her. I should position my body like her. I should be sloppy and uninhibited like her. And that's what he wants. There was no consideration for my needs or what felt pleasurable for me. And though I did experience a lot of pleasure in those early sexual years, there wasn't a deep presence with my own pleasure. There wasn't, I didn't have this capacity to relax and just like, oh, take a load off and be there and allow whatever arises to arise. It was, okay, well, I think I've received pleasure for like five minutes. And so now it's time for me to give to you again. So you don't get bored or tired or want to run away from me. And so I made it my job to be the dominatrix, to be the one who's in control and who's hard to get. And I had no capacity at that point to receive. And it's only truly in my most recent relationship with Ani that I've started to uncover and unravel the grave discomfort that I had with receiving and with being, just being. And some a conversation that we had um, was, you know, I find it difficult to receive and not make sounds, even if I don't want to make a sound even if I want to be silent in my receiving, because I'm worried that you'll think I'm bored or that I'm not having a good time. And he's like, babe, just show up however you want to show up. I don't need anything from you. And so the journey to receiving for me has been bringing my own awareness to what feels uncomfortable for me and where I perceive the gap exists between where I am and where I want to be. And my partner has also been wildly helpful in affirming that it's okay for me to show up as I am. I mean, I'm sure I could have made a lot of progress on my own with my relationship to receiving, but it was also my relationship with others that has shown me, girl, you're good. You're worthy just as you are. The moment you wake up, you don't have to do a damn thing. You are always worthy of receiving. And that's the message that I, I want to share with anyone who's listening is you're always worthy. It doesn't matter how you look, what your weight is, what you've done today or not, you know, what you did in your last relationship. Worthiness is inherent. And the only job we have here is becoming more and more related to our worthiness so that we can receive what's, what's coming to us. We talked about this a bit the other day about the work we can do when we're single on our own versus the work that we're doing in relationship. How has Ani been that mirror and also that container for you to more fully see yourself in ways you may not have been able to access alone? Yeah. Well, when you were talking about Connor the other day, I was laughing because I felt the same way. I have such a deep well of emotion for Ani. He has, you had said something and you're like, um, I can't recall exactly what it was, but there's a part of me that very authentically says he made me. Mm. And I, I don't, I have no self-deprecation in that statement. I know that I certainly, you know, am the way I am in large part because I chose to be this way. And that guy has held such a massive space for me. And he has called me out more times than I can count with so much love because he has always held the space for my potential. 
and he is the love of my life and the biggest pain in my ass ever. He holds both spaces in my heart simultaneously. <laughs> and he's he's called me forth to something beyond what I could have imagined for myself. And so he often holds the space for me of, hey, are you are you happy? Are you happy where you're at? Are you happy how things are? And if you are, great, go for it. And if not, I want to show you that I this is what I see for you. And so we we show up in the relational space as like pillars of support for each other, lovingly calling each other out, um, always having each other's backs and really a lot of nurture. He's given me so much nurture. I, I can't even describe the ways in which he has seen how I've struggled and how he has decided to show up to nurture me and to hold me and to tell me how proud of me he is because I didn't receive that affirmation growing up. And he knows it's the one thing I crave most. And when he sees that, he shows up and and he gives unconditionally. Connor will give me words of affirmation because I'm a words of affirmation girl. And then I'll just be so excited after I hear them. And he'll be like, were those good words of affirmation? (laughs) I'm like, yes, don't ruin the moment. But it's amazing when they show up, when they when they have the awareness of this is the thing that has been lacking for us. And this is a way I can show up so simply, and so easily and give her this amazing gift and watch her shine because of it. I love that. And he's a goofball, but he does it with the biggest heart. Um, it's amazing to me what can happen in a relationship when we realize that we're on the same team. Yes. And I did not have that. I had never had that before Connor. And we didn't have that, I think, until about a year ago. It was very much, well, this is what I need and this is what I need and this pull and push. And we didn't understand each other and we tried, but we didn't understand how to do it. And then all of a sudden one day it was like, oh, light bulb, we're on the same team. Why the fuck are we fighting right now? Yes, fighting and arguing and all that is important and we're different people. But at the same time, if you have the same core values, you hold the same visions and you're on the same team, you can literally get through anything. Yes, a hundred percent. I agree. And something that Ani used to say to me, because I often was the one that would push back. I mean, I had mommy issues galore and I would often just push to see how far I could get and not consciously, you know, unconsciously. And he would say, it doesn't have to be you versus me. It can be you and me versus the thing that we're arguing about. It can be you and me versus the defensive tendency or you and me versus the angry outburst. And we can remove ourselves and look at the angry outburst as if we're outside of it and it is outside of us. And we can examine it together. We can talk about it together. But it really took me needing to work through a lot of shame that I held around not being worthy or not being good enough because that was such a deeply conditioned belief that I'd held on to for so long that anytime a piece of feedback was brought to me by Ani specifically, I would immediately throw up my defenses and try and make sure that I wasn't wrong or that I'm more right. And that was a big thing that I had to work through. And as I started recognizing, and when I had that light bulb moment, I'm like, oh my God, he's right. We don't have to be fighting in the way that we're fighting. We can have a disagreement and we can sit and have a conversation about this thing. And us working to get to that place has been the most impactful journey I have been on thus far because there's so much more space for conversation about our emotions, sensations, our experience. And we feel like team players now. I had been in relationships where I was constantly steamrolling men. So I would always make sure I was the one in control and had the power and got to be the dictator. And um, Connor doesn't really have any patience for that. So I got to learn how to legitimately apologize for the first time and take responsibility for the first time. And boy, has that been uncomfortable and also the greatest gift because it's not meant to be a power struggle. It's not meant to be, I own you, which is such a belief I had. And in that, we have such beautiful individual experiences. 
so that there isn't that, well, I own you, so you need to be this way, or I didn't do anything wrong. You're the one at fault always. And I think that there's, it's almost like because of that, you can become equals rather than I'm here and you're here and have this hierarchy in the relationship. Have you experienced that? Oh, yes, totally. I mean, I showed up to so many relationships as the dominant one. And it was definitely a pattern because I would often, you know, be the one to have the last word. And there were very few partners who actually met me in my fire. And I'm convinced now, I know for sure that what I wanted the most underneath the superficial feeling of having power and feeling powerful in the moment was someone who could meet my fire and hold me there, hold me with tenderness and love and care and say, Hey, this behavior doesn't work for me. And so if you want to be in a relationship with me, we need to find a better way to interact. And Ani has 100% shown up like that. We're both Scorpios. So we're both, we both have our stingers, you know, we both have our intensity and as, as challenging as it is sometimes when he doesn't take my shit, it is, it's one of the most profound experiences of surrender and like unraveling that I could ever have. And for most people, for most women, especially, we have a deep longing for surrender. We have a deep longing to be ravished and to be led and to be swept away and to get lost. And while it might not be the thing we do on the day to day when we're showing up to work, for example, maybe we're the leaders in our work. And when it comes to partnership, we want to be ravished. We want to be just completely consumed and enveloped. And Ani has shown me that. And it, it, took, it took a lot of me learning how to soften into myself and learning how to soften into trust to be able to say, hey, I'm really sorry for the way I showed up and I want to take responsibility. And here's the impact of my behavior. And here's what I'm going to do differently next time. Radical responsibility has definitely been a theme in our relationship too. So I feel you. Okay, just a brief pause from this conversation with Lee to tell you about how I'm nourishing myself. Um, I'm doing my ads standing up today and I just started thrusting the air. That's really weird. <laughs> this is what's happening. I want to tell you about Organifi, Harmony. While I thrust the air, like the bad bitch I am, my period's coming. Winter is coming. My period is coming in five days. Is it bad that I think I'm funny and you probably are all really annoyed at me? <laughs> um, my period's coming in like five days. And so I've been getting the harmony in my life because harmony is a blend of cacao and so many other nourishing ingredients that help balance your hormones and help with PMS. And most of the time, my period's pretty predictable, stable, easy. But for some reason, I think things are changing because my period was five days early last time and I had the worst cramps ever the last couple rounds. So I am doing everything within my power to relax and also nourish myself and make sure I'm getting everything possible to balance, calm, and relax my nervous system, help me sleep, and give me all that good juju because we all need the juju, okay? So if you also want some hormone balancing support, I highly recommend Harmony from Organifi. And you get a discount, duh. You go to Organifi.com slash Kelly T. You'll get 20% off. Buy one for you. Buy one for a friend. Because that's the nice thing to do. It's Organifi, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I dot com slash Kelly T. Use the code. And I just want to tell you guys about something that is about to launch. Make love to yourself. Ooh, baby. What does that even mean? Well, we just had Unleash Your Goddess, the live workshop that was epic and we'll be happy to it again in may so if you're interested in that 
head on over. It is some juicy ass shit, let me tell you. But Make Love to Yourself is a five week program that I am putting together for about 12 women. Five weeks of in depth workshop together, incredibly intimate. And this is where you come to get wet, alive, and rich with me. What gets you wet in your life? How do you fuck your life open to bring in all of the abundance, love, financial, experiential, curiosity? How can you bring all that abundance into your life? The softening of our hearts into trust and flow and ease. And this isn't even really about sex, orgasm, sexuality. This is about energy and connection. And we'll get into playful pleasure principles. We'll step into divine ease. We will talk through worthiness and safety in our bodies, asking for pleasure and partnership, real feminine relationships, because you're not scared of your own feminine anymore. And to feel safe in this, exploring what the feminine is for you, how to step into feminine receiving compliments financial wealth without questioning and doubting yourself every step of the way. Ooh, there are no sex toys involved. (laughs) There is no masturbation in these live calls, but you'll be with me and 10 to 12 other women. And we will talk and we will journal and we will share and we will move and breathe and get into our fucking bodies. And make love to ourselves because if we can make love to ourselves in every way, in every part of our lives, guess what is possible? Truly everything. So, hasn't launched yet. If you want in, there are limited spots, like I said. Shoot me a DM, send me an email, tell me you want in. You will be first to get details. Make love to yourself launches April 19th. Get on in there, baby. All right. Back to Miss Lee. I want to pick your brain about this because I think this is probably one of the most difficult things in this space is when one partner is, quote unquote, doing the work and moving forward and opening and shedding and, you know, willing to get curious about things they never have been. And the other is not. And so you're dealing with two people who are in different places who maybe don't understand each other, who cannot figure out how to relate anymore on a deep level. And I get this question a lot from the women in my community of, well, I'm, I feel woke and my partner is not, and it's showing up in every aspect of our lives. So what do I do now? How do you help people navigate that? Yeah, I've, I've been on both sides of that equation. So I, I, have a, I feel like I have a pretty well-rounded perspective. Here's the thing with wokeness. And this is something that I've learned in, in this relationship is when we develop that sense of foresight and that sense of seeing and knowing, you know, can we see beyond what's happening relationally to see what's happening or what might be happening with the other person? And so I'll give a, a real life example. There have been moments, there have been many moments where I'm like, Ani's way more woke than me. And I'm struggling here in my defensive tendencies or, you know, my my projections. And there have been moments where I'm like, okay, I see something for him that he's not seeing for himself right now. So how can I show up with unconditional love and acceptance if I truly still want to be in this relationship? It's one situation if we see that there is no coming back together and maybe the relationship has run its course. However, if the situation is that I really love this person and I want to be, I want to be with this person. And I see that I'm progressing on a different trajectory than they are. The question might be, if I have the capacity, how can I hold the space for this person to go on their own path? Because I have in so many relationships tried to force and manipulate and manage someone's journey so that they could catch up with me, so that they could be where I am and as woke as I am. And that doesn't work. 
People do not like to be fixed. They do not like to be changed. And if we truly want to be in this relationship, asking the question, hey, how would you like to be interacted with when I see something that you might not see? Is there a way that would feel, you know, maybe not, not so triggering for you? Is there a certain time and space in which we can have that conversation? Maybe we have a biweekly check-in. What works for you? And enrolling the other person in this possibility of, hey, I really want to grow with you. I really want to be in this relationship. And I want to find a way to manage our growth journeys so that it works for both of us. And having an open conversation about it. Because when there is space for the other person to participate and say, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing my own thing and here's how I'd like to be interacted with, or I don't know how I'd like to be interacted with, but let me think about it because I do want to have this conversation with you and I do want to be in this relationship. So opening, opening up a two-way dialogue about what that can look like, what works, what doesn't work and, and knowing that that's ever-changing. Boundaries are going to be ever-changing, feelings, emotions. So having a conversation about it and, you know, as someone who might see something that our partner doesn't see, asking how can we how can we show up as the one who sees something in a way that allows our partner to feel loved and nurtured and nourished, because that's probably what they've always wanted. The encouragement, the words of affirmation, the physical touch. How can we show up in that way that encourages them and allows them to naturally propel forward without being tugged. I love that. And what it makes me think of is all of the ways I was so critical and such a damn bitch to partners in the past with such a like negative judgy tone. You know, when you come, you come in hot and you're just firing it off and it just sounds really bitchy. And there is, there's no compassion and love in that. That is it's just rude and it's unnecessary. And I didn't know, right? I just didn't know. And I finally am with someone who would call me out and not let me walk all over them. And it really, it asks more of you. It asks you to take responsibility for yourself and your own shit so that you're not going in and being completely rude and inconsiderate to someone else. And I often find the moments that I want to go in and try and fix Connor, those are the things that I am not healed within myself. So I'm running at him to project all my shit onto him. Like, Oh, why don't you fix that? Or why don't you do this? And I have learned now in the last two years to stop myself before I go running into the room to tell him all of these amazing insights I have into how broken and fucked up he is. And I looked at myself and I say, Oh, right. I'm judging myself because I'm not doing that thing or I haven't healed that wound. And so I just don't go open my mouth and I just be with myself and realize that that's what's happening. And that's often the dynamic. And if you are going to give feedback or insight or whatever that is in a loving way, navigating your tone and the way you approach it in a loving, compassionate way. Yeah, 100%. And I found the same thing to be true with myself as well. When I'm ready to give someone critical feedback, it's something that I, I either have as well, or I haven't addressed yet fully within myself. And it's it's a perfect opportunity to take more responsibility for our own experience. So good. Okay, so I want to talk about how to have the best sex of your life. Because everyone wants the uh, the toolkit, right? How do we have incredible sex? I love you because you literally went on IG and went live right after having what you said was the best sex of your life. So break it down for me, girl. How do we get this? Yeah. Well, so here's what I'll say. There's no one way to amazing, mind-blowing, heart-opening, panty-wedding sex. There are many ways in, pun totally intended. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, the one thing that I found was our proclivity for connection and closeness is inherent in our nature. So it's, it's even less about all the things we need to do. And maybe for many of us more about just find what's standing in the way of our 
our nature, of our nature to connect, of our nature to be primal, to feel pleasure. You know, it's, it is only the conditioning and the shameful thoughts and the potentially religious constructs that are keeping us from being who we are by nature. So one of the big things that I've had to unpack is where I feel shame. And this is not the sexy work of having great sex. You know, I could certainly sit here and tell you what toys to buy and, you know, how to get lingerie and set the scene. And that's all helpful. And if we want to have sustainably amazing sex and we want to feel great about it and we want this vibrant erotic energy to seep out of every one of our pores and be who we are, then we have to do the work of seeing what's standing in the way. And that's what thoughts do we have about ourselves, our bodies, our image, and everything, you know, I've had to explore things like, what do I feel about the way I smell? What do I feel about the shape of my body? How do I feel about my pubic hair at different lengths? And it's, it's this sort of inner reconciliation and journey to acceptance of who I am in any given moment and the ability to share when I feel insecure, because I'm, I'm not at all going to sit here and say that, oh, I've worked through all my insecurities and I'm just 100% confident all the time. Not at all. And have I created a space of safety within myself to say, all right, yeah, I'm feeling like I need to take a shower right now because I'm self-conscious about how I smell or, you know, I feel really bloated and that's impacting the positions I want to see myself in when I'm having sex, because I'm worried about these roles right here. And this is just a level of realness that as we cultivate that, and as we create acceptance, then we don't give a fuck at some point. And especially when there's safety with a partner, where there's trust with a partner, and we can be in the place of showing up fully as ourselves. In my opinion, that's what makes amazing sex. Yeah, we can talk about positions and techniques and that's great and that's there. And can we show up as like, yeah, I want this. I'm here. Give me what you've got. I'm going to give you what I've got because I feel so grounded in who I am and I am so in love with who you are, with the shape of your body, with the way it smells, with the way you look, that no matter what happens, this is going to be amazing because I feel great in my body and about who I am. So I think that's got to be there at the foundational level. If that's the foundation that we're building upon, then you can go in so many different directions to exploring BDSM, slow, sensual, lovemaking, like crazy voyeuristic hotel window sex, like all the things and all of those places can be beautiful and bright and vibrant when they're built on the foundation of deep acceptance and deep love and, and safety. Safety to say, hey, here's what I'm feeling insecure about right now. Or, hey, here's what I'm curious about. Can we try on this fantasy and this role play? Hey, I'd, I'd love to make this sound, or I really want you to put your hand here and apply pressure, you know, all of those things. And so in that foundation of safety is then when we can explore, okay, I, here are my preferences. Here are my curiosities. Here are my fears. Then it opens the space for conversation. And when we build in that space, then we just get to know ourselves and each other all the better so that we can have that mind-blowing sex that's uninhibited. And that's in our very nature to express the way that feels really good for us. And I think what you're really bringing to light here is the communication factor. Because I think we think that it's less sexy if we talk about things beforehand. Like if we talk about things over coffee with clothes on and share everything you were just saying, it somehow makes the experience less sexy. And what I find is that it makes it way more sexy and way more open and vulnerable and hot and juicy and all the things you want sex to be. Because as you said, you've created a foundation for this. So everyone knows boundaries and all the things are on the table. So that when you are naked, it's like, let's go, let's play, let's be present. And we don't have to think about all this stuff. We've already done that part. And now we can just be in the moment. And I didn't know that was even a thing you could do until a couple of years ago. And now there's, because we're dating someone and we have a very different experience together, 
there has to be so much communication for that to happen. And what I realized is that it's even better than I thought it could be because we're on the same page. We know what's happening and we have opened up that, you know, Pandora's box for what's possible before we ever step into the room. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing. And and one of the things that I, I've learned over these past few years as well is when we release expectation about what sex needs to be like, we're typically better off for it. Something I have found in our recent sexual experiences is that sex is a gateway for me to some of my deepest emotions. There are times when we have sex and I get to feel my sadness. Even if I don't feel sad in the moment, I get to go there or I get to feel the aggression that's somewhere inside of me. And this is something Ani and I explored the other day, but I had this tentative energy. And what I found was I really wanted to express aggression. And so what that looked like was his hand on my throat because it it revved me up and there was something like buried underneath. And I'm like, I want to fucking feel this fire in me. And here is an opportunity. Here's a safe space where I get to experience the aggression that I want to play out. Or I get to, I remember saying, um, spank me and show me my aggression. And I would give him this like breath and this look, and then he would spank after. And it was the expression of my aggression through his spanking me. Wow. And I got to feel like the visceral nature of my emotions through this sexual experience. And so there was so much dynamism to it because it wasn't just like, you know, in and out, thrusting, banging, which, you know, that's great. And there was so much depth to it. So when we release expectation of what sex needs to be like, look like, sound like, feel like, we can go to so many places. Mm, Love that. That's amazing. That brings me to the somatic side of things, because that really sounds like when I was on the table doing somatic therapy. And it's so cool that you're bringing that into the bedroom. But I know that's a huge part of what y'all are doing is bridging this gap between somatics and plant medicine and these different healing modalities. So how have you brought all of this together? Yeah. So Ani and I have been doing work with psychedelics for probably about the past six years. Um, and it's, it's been a fascinating, fascinating experience in being facilitated and in doing the facilitation. Um, you know, one of the, the gateways that psychedelic, that psychedelics provide us is a gateway into the body. Certainly there are psychedelic experiences that are cognitive and intellectual, and we're having thoughts and we're having intellectual insights. And with a lot of psychedelics, we're gaining access and awareness of our body, of the sensations in our body, of our emotions as we feel them. And psychedelics are such a a beautiful segue into that. So some of the things that we've incorporated into our practice, both personally and romantically and with our clients is how are we bringing more awareness to the body? And in a psychedelic setting where a part of what's called our secondary consciousness, which is our rational, you know, prefrontal cortex brain, it goes offline. We have access to our primary consciousness, which is all of the things that are happening under the surface. It's that bottom part of the iceberg, everything happening under the water, which is more than 90% of who we show up to be. So when we access primary consciousness, we're accessing things that we don't always have conscious awareness of. And a lot of that comes through the body. A lot of that's stored in our autonomic nervous system. So we're not just working with thoughts and conscious memories. We're working with things stored in the body. So a lot of times incorporating things like breath or inhibition of breath can allow the body to have a natural response. And so often people are afraid to experience what's there because it doesn't look normal or doesn't seem normal. Oftentimes I've found myself in psychedelic experiences and I'm shaking and it's just something that's autonomically happening. It is a response. It might be a release of tension, of trauma, of just something my body wants to do. And I don't have to know why Mm -hmm. I don't have to have a story. 
I don't have to know where it came from. So the more we can suspend our need to meaning make of things, the more our body will do what it's naturally designed to do, which is complete processes, just go through an experience without needing to judge it or make it wrong. So we've incorporated a number of different somatic techniques in the work that we do now as psychedelic somatic therapists. And it the space that we create allows the client's body to go through a somatic response in the way that it may have never gotten to before. Sometimes, as it turns out, a story will naturally appear and we're not looking for the story. Whereas in a lot of other psychedelic modalities, it is talk therapy with psychedelics. And while we do that, because there is great importance to understanding our experience, we're also trusting that the body has the map and the wisdom to do what it does best. And it's beyond our conscious awareness. Mm. So that's how we've been incorporating somatics into it. And we've used a number of different techniques to be able to create a safe space for clients to, to go there and allow their bodies to emote and release. Are y'all doing this together in the sessions? Yeah. So powerful. Yeah. Yeah. It's been incredible. And and feedback that we've gotten from clients is it is really, really special to have a masculine and feminine presence there. We often play off of each other in perfect tandem. And often Ani's the one who really will be precise and calling things out and observing and bringing awareness to. And I will be the one that gives love and nurture and plays mom. We, we kind of play mom and dad for a lot of clients without, you know, without always the intention to, but in those very tender spaces, we get to receive and ask for the things that we didn't receive growing up. And that is one of the beauties of psychedelics. Mm. Gosh, I can just imagine, because I, Connor and I did somatic therapy together and we were on the table separately, but went through the program together, I can just imagine having psychedelics be a part of a somatic experience. Because I remember one day I was on the table and um, our therapist, husband and wife, they work together as well. So that's why I love that you're doing this. But I remember Jonathan touched my shoulder one day and I like went to a completely different life and I was sober. I wasn't on anything, but it was one touch on my body and I was gone. And I was completely describing what was happening and where I was and the whole thing. So I can only imagine when you introduce a psychedelic into that, how much more powerful it makes the experience and the awarenesses that come forward and not that you need to move things through things quickly, but I I would imagine that it makes that process because it is bigger, you move through it in a bigger, faster way than sort of a slow roll of introduce something, see what it is. Can you access it? So I love that. Yeah. And that's something that I love about, you know, the intentional use of psychedelics is it, it, it really can expedite the process because we're not getting in our own way of, well, what does this mean about me? And yes. do I need to approach this person about this thing that happened? Our, that, that secondary consciousness, the, the one who has to analyze everything is pretty offline in a lot of psychedelic experiences. So it just lets us experience and be experience itself. And that's what allows the process to feel so profound is that we're not getting in the way and trying to rationalize everything. We're just there. We're in the experience. Mm. Expedite the process. It's a perfect way to put it. That's how I always feel whenever I sit with mushrooms. It's expediting my process and I'm getting out of my own way and it releases all that fear and doubt and chaos. And it just is this knowing like, okay, that's what we're doing. So good. Lee, thank you so much. You are just magnificent. I adore you. I could talk to you forever. (laughs) I'm like, let me soak up all of her wisdom. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm, I'm so much more energized now after having this conversation. Same, same. How can people work with you if they're curious about that? Absolutely. So you can find all of my work at leenoto.com. And uh, let's connect on Instagram at Lee Noto underscore. 
I'm currently in, um, in with a group of women in my eight week program called become the high priestess. And it's the journey to embodying our inner high priestess as women and creating epic love. So, um, that's something that I'll be launching again toward the end of the year. So let's connect. I'd love to share more. And Kelly, it was such a pleasure to be here with you, girl. I know this is just the beginning of our relationship. Yes, I'm obsessed. So we're we're going to do all the things together. Thank you, Lee. <laughs> My pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you would like even more exclusive content, conversations with me, the ability to connect with women in a really sacred space to continue to challenge yourself to create space for yourself and come back home to your truth and your knowing. I would love, love, love to have you inside the Onyx, the incredible space that I created for women like you who want more and who are ready to lean in to all of it. You can go to patreon.com slash the Kelly show. The link is in the show notes and I cannot wait to see you in there and hold that space for your growth. See you soon.